Good morning. I'm Shamitha Basu. And I'm Duarte Geraldino. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. But first, let's catch up with some of the day's top headlines. White House infectious disease expert Dr. Deborah Burks issued a stark warning on CNN on Sunday. She said the pandemic is reaching a dangerous new phase here in the U.S. Cases are surging in the Midwest, Alaska, and Hawaii. Two astronauts made landfall yesterday after spending about two months on board a SpaceX test shuttle and at the International Space Station. It was the first time NASA used a commercial company to complete the round trip. Microsoft confirmed it is in negotiations to buy social media platform TikTok from ByteDance, which has ties to the Chinese government. Millions of people in the U.S. are starting this week wondering, where am I going to make up the extra $600 in unemployment benefits that the government was giving me? That federal benefit is now over. And as Democrats and Republicans are trying to agree on a new coronavirus relief bill, one of the major sticking points is figuring out who should be legally responsible if you get infected while on the job? Yeah, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says the Senate has to pass a bill that waives legal liability for business owners, doctors, schools and churches who may be accused of not doing enough to protect people from the coronavirus. Although the White House has suggested that they would be open to a deal without those protections. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says those kinds of measures won't hold businesses accountable for keeping workers safe. And she wants to strengthen worker protections. Shemita, the lawsuits have already begun. Yeah. According to The Wall Street Journal, lawsuits have already been filed against companies like Walmart, Safeway, Tyson Foods, even healthcare facilities. That brings us to the case of Pedro Zuniga. He's one of the people the Wall Street Journal profiles in an article about this wave of lawsuits you're talking about, Dorote. Zuniga worked in a Safeway distribution center in California for 22 years. In March, he and his colleagues warned Safeway that the work environment wasn't safe, that employees were coming in sick with the virus. According to his family's lawyer, management threatened to retaliate against workers who didn't show up for work. And the family alleges that Safeway management recommended that workers not wear masks. At the beginning of April, Zuniga got sick. At the hospital, he tested positive for COVID-19. Nine days later, he was dead. You know, the journal is reporting Safeway claims it did take steps to protect workers and follow the relevant government guidelines issued at the time. In Zuniga's case, the company claims it didn't promote masks in March because as of March 20th, neither the CDC nor the state of California recommended wearing masks. Mm. The journal quotes one attorney who's dealt with similar cases in the past. That attorney says when it comes to liability, it's really about one question. Was this death due to negligence or was it just an unfortunate outcome? Remember at the beginning of the shutdowns when folks were predicting a COVID baby boom because people were stuck at home together with nothing better to do? <laughs> Think again. There's no baby boom coming. That's right. Some people are doing the math on parenthood right now and deciding now is not the ideal time to expand the family. Peter Coy looks at this for Bloomberg Business Week. One study from the Brookings Institution says next year there'll be anywhere from 300,000 to about a half million fewer babies born in the United States. That's around a 10% drop in babies compared to 2019. Mm. Bloomberg also cites a recent survey of about 2,000 American women. 
34% of them said they plan to put off pregnancy and not have as many children because of the pandemic, while only about 17% said they want more children or want children sooner. And Dorote, just look around. You'll see signs that we can expect a dip in births. Weddings are being postponed. There's been an increase in birth control sales. And there's a lot of pessimism about the economy. And past research has shown that there is a connection between optimism and fertility. Coy writes that a birth rate drop could have lasting impacts. A decrease in the number of children today means a smaller population of people in the future will support the economy through work, buying products, and paying taxes. This also means a smaller U.S. economy overall. Fewer children today has implications far, far into the future. One hundred years ago this month, the 19th Amendment was ratified, and it gave women the right to vote. All this month, we're going to be highlighting some of the best coverage of this landmark amendment. So let's start today with an article in Smithsonian Magazine that looks at the first wave of women voters and the challenges that they faced when trying to cast their ballots. In some states like Wyoming and Utah, women were allowed to vote way before the 19th Amendment was added. But in states like Arkansas and Georgia and Mississippi and South Carolina, even after the 19th Amendment, women were effectively disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. Those southern states established a rule saying all voters had to be registered six months ahead of time but women had only won the right to vote three months before the election. One woman, however, did figure out a workaround. Months before she was even legally allowed to, Mary Jarrett White showed up at the registrar, paid her poll tax, and signed up to vote. In November of 1920, she was the only woman in Georgia to cast a ballot. But for Black women, Shemita, the hurdles were so much higher, and sometimes even deadly. As Smithsonian Magazine details, Black women and the Black men who often helped them could be kidnapped and lynched for trying to register. Many states employed tactics like poll taxes or literacy tests to discourage not just black people from voting, but also immigrants and poor white women. Only about 36% of eligible women voted in that very first election, compared to about 68% of eligible men. And at the time, some people took that to mean that the 19th Amendment was a failure. But look at us a century later. Not only are there more women in Congress than ever before, but that statistic has flipped around. In every presidential election since 1980, a bigger share of eligible women have cast ballots than men. And finally, with the election less than 100 days away and election officials preparing for millions of people to vote during a pandemic, one of the concerns is having a shortage of poll workers. Yeah, according to the U.S. Election Assistance Commission, half of poll workers during the 2016 election were 60 years old or older. And this is important because that's a high-risk group during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And even in pre-pandemic times, recruiting enough poll workers has been a challenge. One possible solution is getting teenagers to help out. CNN profiles young people who are looking to take part in the democratic process, not to mention make a little bit of money. Yeah, with schools closed and with jobs hard to come by, a lot of teens have already been volunteering during the primaries. One teenager told CNN that it was nice to be able to make some money for her family since her stepfather has been out of work. Another said that she saved some money for college and for rent. If you're interested in becoming a poll worker, CNN has info at the bottom of their story. You can find all these stories and more on the Apple News app. And while you're there, check out some of this week's audio stories. We'll talk with you again tomorrow.